Private Lender Podcast, Episode 69. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from Robert Kiyosaki, who said, The more a person seeks security, the more that person gives up control over his life. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. Welcome to the Private Lender Podcast. I'm happy to be talking to you because finally, this is... I want to pull back the uh, curtain here and show you the cards up my sleeve here. Normally, I try to be two to three, maybe four. The best I've ever been is six weeks out. 2019 has been a blessing and a curse, more of a blessing. The curse is still a blessing. I got 99 first world problems, and I'm thankful for everyone. That's my new little slogan. Hashtag never trust, always verify. So I'm on a trip to England in London right now, and I'm here to give a presentation on the claims that we have had, kind of this, what we see, the common causes and the amounts of these claims, how much they're going to cost underwriters and insurance companies. And I have been tapped by my company to present Lloyd's of London in the old library, which is, at least for me, quite an honor. I know people in London do it all the time, but to have a Texan come across the pond and the company pay for it and to put on an hour and a half presentation for me is a very much a humble brag. So take that for what it's worth. But at the same time, I am very happy to be here. This is a huge thing for me. It's on my bucket list and I'm happy to be sharing some of this with you guys because as a private lender, I still have a day job and that's kind of what I'm trying to coach to people is Keep your day job, stay on top of it, and private lend on the side just to help the old retirement out a little bit. So I have had a, right now it's Sunday, I try to keep a month out, keep episodes recorded, and then give them to the post-production team so that I can have a month of leeway. However, that hasn't happened since January or December. A couple of months ago, I had to take a vacation, basically. Well, it wasn't a vacation, but I had to take some time off and phone it in for you guys and say, hey, I'm not going to do it, but here I am. I had hoped to record every day, and that just has not been possible at all. So now here it is Sunday, my last day where I can get this to my post-production team a week out so that they can get it edited, show notes, transcribed, all that good stuff. And by the way, if you're looking for someone to do that, hit me up, Keith at com. Anyway, so I get to London on Wednesday the 24th, and... I arrive at Heathrow at 11.30. I get out of Customs and yada yada Heathrow about almost 1 o'clock. Jump on the Heathrow Express at Paddington Station. And then I decided, you know what? I'm just going to cab it over to my hotel. So I did that, got checked in, changed into my suit, hoofed it over to the office, gave a presentation for one of the London brokers on fracking, kind of a preview. And thankfully, it went very well. So for that, I am grateful and very happy. But I have not recorded near as much as I had hoped to, and I have a uh, composition book full of notes. Not my first opportunity to record, but my first opportunity to really put something meaningful on tape that tells you how old I am. (laughs) I mean, who puts anything on tape anymore, right? 
Anyway, this is really my first opportunity. So let me just kind of bring you up to speed. I've been here about five days. I'd hope to have five recordings. This is my first. So here we go. Jump off the plane. Busy. Presentation. Next day. Coffees. Lunches. Coffees and pints. Dinner with my boss, our chairman. And Friday, I eat a meal. I don't know where it was. I don't know if it was lunch or dinner, but it did not agree with me. And it really didn't show up until late Friday night. So Saturday has been a complete wash. Just laying in bed, being miserable, and drinking lots of water. I got up this morning at 6.15. Yep, true, 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 true. 6.15, I got up, London time. So it's like midnight 15 for Central Houston time. And I fumbled my way on the tube on the subway because there are like four lines that were closed. And one of them was the one that I needed. Ended up going to, (laughs) I went to Paddington Station, which is the completely wrong station I needed for the ticket I wanted. So after about 20 pounds of cab fare and some looking on my smartphone, I finally got over to King's Cross Station in London and I took a train up to Cambridge and I'm so glad I did it. Nothing really out of the ordinary, except when you consider that Cambridge University and Trinity College is where both Stephen Hawking, Sir Isaac Newton, attended. Tony in physics, black holes, a brief history of time. All of that was figured out in this town. And of course, it's full of turrets. I can't tell you how many American accents I heard today, which normally is disappointing to me when I travel. Yes, I'm a snob. I'll admit it. I heard and saw today while I was just kind of hoofing it, backpacking it through Cambridge. And what an amazing day. Disparagingly, I'm going to say Cambridge is the Oklahoma of the UK. Why is that, Keith? Oh, I'll tell you why. I got family in Oklahoma, and every time I go, I'm astonished at, like, there's a church on every corner in Oklahoma, it seems like, you know, in the cities. I know that's hyperbole, yes, but that's kind of what I feel. And coming over to Cambridge, every college has its own chapel, right? So there's, like, tons of Catholic churches. There's, I thought it was Methodist, but it was just, uh, non-denominational or Church of England, C of E, whatever. But I did stop into King's College Chapel today and impressive to say the least. Very, very nice. If you're ever over here, I would say Cambridge is a nice day away. It's an hour from London, north, northeast, and just take the train up. It's about a mile and a half from the train station, mile, mile and a half, not too far. You can hoof it. You can walk it. I know that's a big thing for us Texans and Americans, but more so for Texans and Americans. You can do it. And I highly recommend it. It was a day well spent just walking around. And in the city, right next to the college, there are, there's the uh, Fitzwilliam Museum and there's also the Fitzwilliam Botanical Gardens. I didn't go to the Botanical Gardens. There's a little bit of rain, this and that. Weather wasn't the best. It was about 50 degrees Fahrenheit at best. While I was there and on and off rain, English rain. So it's not like a Texas thunderstorm, but still cold, a little bit of wind, rainy, not the best, but I still made the best. Fitzwilliam Museum, world-class museum. Highly recommend it. It's free. They suggest a five-pound donation, which is like $7 right now. So absolutely worth it. And if you can hear my voice and you're ever in, in, in England, check out Cambridge. 
Now, I will say this. Everyone at Cambridge says I made the right choice in not going to Oxford. So I had a choice of Oxford, Cambridge, or Greenwich. Greenwich is much closer. I went to Cambridge. Yeah, wow. I mean, a bunch of old, old Gothic architecture buildings. And I saw real students. I didn't. I saw people playing croquet on the yards, on the lawns, inside these colleges. I had a crap lunch, by the way, because I'm sorry. I love the English. I love London. I love the UK, but not everybody knows how to cook a good steak. That's my fault for checking a good steak. But anyway, so that was today. I've got so much I want to say. I apologize. I have diarrhea of the mouth. But before I forget, while I was at the Fitzwilliam Museum, I met a very interesting individual. I saw a man, a very tall white man, wearing a jacket that said Cambridge Baseball Team. Sorry, his jacket said Cambridge University Baseball. So I stopped him. I said, excuse me, may I take a photo of your jacket, the back of your jacket? And he said, yes, but of course. But he said it in an accent that I recognized. I said, oh, my God, I think this guy's German. So I took a photo of the back of his jacket, struck up a conversation. Turns out I've got a new friend. His name is Martin. That's Martin for us Texans and Americans. But Martin and Martin is from Bonn, Germany, which is where I spent the entire summer of 1997 doing a study abroad. And I got to speak a little German with him. It was toll. <laughs> ich wünsche Martin alles am besten. So anyhow, thank you to my new friend, Martin, Cambridge University Baseball. He told me he brought baseball team to Cambridge. So Oxford already had a baseball team and several of the colleges because of the U.S. military bases. But I don't know if I can't verify. Never trust, always verify. But this guy told me he started the Cambridge baseball team. So if that is true, I went ahead and thanked him. If it's not, I don't give a damn. Well, I do, but it's a hell of a story. It made my day. So anyway, big shout out to Martin. Aspad Gottesberg, Deutschland. Max gut, mein Freund. Let's get down to brass tacks, as I like to say. Or And I stole that from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Hunter S. Thompson. Which, by the way, uh, <laughs> rabbit hole, squirrel. I was at the open air market in Cambridge today and there's a, one of the vendors, it was a bookshop, you know, bookstore. And lo and behold, what do I see? But a copy, a paperback copy of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I didn't purchase, purchase it because I already have three copies, but I did take a photo of it. So, all right, brass tacks. And the other thing I want to say, I'm, I'm sitting there looking at this. Martin from Bonn, actually, im Zud von aus um, Bad Godesberg. He formed the baseball team at Cambridge, and also he studied for a year or two, I think it's two years, at University of Texas at Austin. He knew Clear Lake, Sugarland, and Katy. That made me a little uncomfortable when a German knows where I'm from. But anyway, phenomenal day. And if you can hear my voice, I want everyone to know that how awesome Cambridge was. You might have a shit time, but I flippin' loved Cambridge today. So I'm going to get off of that for now. Let's get to the brass tacks. Background checks. Should you require a background check? when you make a private loan. And I have two answers for you. Imagine that. First one is no. And I'm going to tell you why. Second one's yes. Why no? And the real answer is yes. But you think about background checks. That's usually for somebody you don't know. You're trying to find out who this person is. You're trying to gauge their character, right? And the reason I say no is because if you're a beginner, I don't want you lending to people you don't know. I want you to start in your backyard. And then when I say your backyard, I mean literally in your backyard. Go to your local RIA, find people investing in your backyard. I want you to look for people that you know personally. 
Okay. And I don't mean like, hey, this guy here, he's pretty good. No, I mean like you have gripped and grinned. You have shook their hand. You've looked them in the eye. You've talked to them. And not just once. I'm talking time and time again. Not your buddy. Not your cousin's wife, sister's friend who cuts hair and found out that someone's going to build this duplex based off of a Philadelphia Eagles lineman's idea. I'm talking about people in your community. I'm talking about whales, the big people, right? Go to your local RIAs, start talking. You got to open your mouth, okay? You have two ears and one mouth. That is true. You need to listen twice as much as you speak. But before you listen, a lot of times you got to open your mouth and you got to tell people, hey, I'm thinking about becoming a private lender. Who are the most successful investors in my community? Ask. Find out. Okay? Find the whales. Oftentimes, these whales are people who are coaches or mentors in real estate investing in your community. And those are the people you want to begin lending with. Why, Keith? Because... As a private lender, as an investor, there's only so much due diligence you can do, okay? And I want you to avoid paralysis from analysis because I suffered from it for years and I don't want you to do that. But the way I think to overcome paralysis by analysis is to seek out the whales, to seek out the coaches, is to seek out the people who have a reputation to lose in your backyard, in your real estate investing community. Those are the people you want to start lending to. Now, you've been lending for a few years. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. I'm talking to the people who are just starting off. I'm talking to the guy, the woman in the cubicle right now going, God, I hate my job. But you know you're not going to quit and become the next Stan Merrill and start flipping houses, okay? Or the next Chip and Joanna, right? Shout out to Waco, Texas. This is why I'm putting all this out here is I have the corporate job here. I am in London for my corporate job, but I still love to invest. I still want to be involved. And as a private lender, I can. So that is what I am trying to stress to you. When I say a whale, I'm talking about old people, lots of gray hair. Okay. Seek those out. All right. Also seek out the young bucks, people in their twenties, their thirties, their forties. <laughs> I just can't believe I just called somebody in their forties a young buck. That's right. But the reason my answer is no, you don't need a background check, is because you should be lending. If you're beginning, you should be lending to people with something to lose, a reputation to lose, okay? These are presidents of RIAs. These are people who go up in front of the RIAs in the real estate investing meetings, and they're out there. Now, does that guarantee anything? Absolutely not, but it helps to mitigate your risk. So now that I've told you no, don't run a background check invest with these people. Let's look at examples where, yeah, you want a background check, okay? Because my motto is never trust and always verify and don't lend to people you don't know. However, you get a few years into this, you get a few loans into it, you start getting comfortable with real estate cycles and you start to get a niche. Let's say your home turf is Los Angeles, which is I'm not going to disparage Los Angeles for real estate investing because there's a lot of people who make good money investing in Los Angeles. Okay. But when you're on the coast like that, okay, LA, San Fran, New York, these places, Miami, okay, East West, they tend to be a more volatile market. Okay. So let's say I'm living in Orange County. For me, 
I would want to invest, yes, but I don't want to lend in Orange County necessarily until I'm, I have a lot of gray hair and I understand the market cycles and I can sort of predict what's going to happen. Keep in mind, I just said sort of predict. Okay. But at some point in time, I understand complacency is going to kick in and you're going to start to get this itch and you're probably going to want to go to another city or across state lines because that's where I'm at right now. I'm totally happy with my loans in and around the greater Houston area, but I also see there are some secondary markets that offer a lot more security or I guess tertiary because I consider Houston a secondary market. Okay. San Fran, LA, San Diego, New York, Miami, just to give you an idea, to me, that's a primary market. Those are very volatile markets because when it's great, it's flipping great. When it's bad, it sucks. So there are places that I understand, such as Indianapolis, Gustavo, my, my buddy, Gustavo, who I interviewed earlier, he's in Iowa and other places. Denver is just boom, crazy. It's like LA, San Fran, San Diego, New York, and Miami all rolled up in one. That's what I understand from some local people because it's just kind of, it's very hot. I'm not saying don't invest or lend in Denver. Just be careful. That's all I'm really trying to get across to you. So if you get to the point where you've got a lot of water under the bridge, you got a lot of experience, and now you're ready to lend to people that you don't know. Number one, I would say reach out to me at Keith at PrivateLenderPodcast.com. Let's talk about it. We'll get some Skype time together. Let's just hash it out. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I just want to be able to give you the opportunity to talk it out. Okay. And I will play devil's advocate. I'll play devil's advocate to you. And if you're still convinced you want to do it, go for it. That's kind of the idea that I have is just talk to me about it. We'll see how it fits in your investing criteria. But if you choose to go ahead, I want you to look at a few things. Okay. Let's say you're in middle America and there's somebody in Arizona who's looking for a loan and you want to give it to them. The first thing I'm going to say to you is never trust and always verify, especially when there's distance involved. Okay. So. You want to look at this person, this borrower. Let's look at them. Let's look at what type of experience do they have? And you have to verify it, okay? I'm telling you right now, put in the extra effort. Do your due diligence. Get it done. Look for bankruptcies, evictions, defaults, foreclosures, judgments, and liens. If they have any of those, that is a red flag. I'm not saying don't lend to that person, okay? Because every person has a past. And every person has a story. And as long as the past and the story and the present smooth each other out and equate, then you might want to lend to them. But if they have a bankruptcy, eviction, defaults, foreclosure, judgments, liens, think about it, okay? And look, a lot of real estate investors got their ass handed to them in 2008, 2009, 2010, okay? And that's why I'm telling you this. Because my mom always said, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but at the end of the day, it's your money that this person's borrowing. It's your retirement. In my case, most of it's my retirement savings. Okay. So I'm going to be ultra conservative when I look at these deals. My politics, your politics may be conservative, may be progressive. Okay. Doesn't matter. I don't care what red, blue, I don't give a shit. Purple. I don't care. You're green. All right. We're green because we care about money. And why do we care about money? Because it makes our future that much better. So if anyone has bankruptcy, eviction, default, foreclosure, judgment, or a lien on them, that's a red flag. Doesn't say it means there's no green light. 
but it's a red flag. Look at it. And if your gut tells you, you know, I don't know. If you're saying, I don't know, then don't do it. I only want you to loan to people when your gut's like, yes, the deal is good. This guy has a shoddy record. He's got a DWI. He's got a couple of this. He's got a couple of that. He's behind on child support. Deadbeat dads I don't like, but whatever. There's a story. There's a past. And there's a present. If they all equalize, you might want to lend to them. If they don't, stay the hell away. All right. Now, a lot of folks ask, well, what about criminal past? Well, that's a very good question. I am fortunate not to have a criminal past, but that's because I was born a white man in the southern United States, okay? And I know I'm pissing off a lot of my conservative white friends right now, but it's the goddamn truth, okay? It is not lost on me that I'm a white man born and raised in Texas that carries a certain cachet with it, okay? Because I have not been to prison, and let's just say that I should have. And that's part one. Part two of this is I just signed up for a business coach. I paid a lot of money and my wife doesn't know that I paid him yet. That's the God's honest truth. The man's been to prison twice, but I believe in him. I've seen how he has transformed a friend of mine's life and has turned him into somebody who didn't know where his next sale was going to come from into a highly successful mortgage broker who I hope to get on the show here very soon if you'll ever return one of my emails. But since being on my podcast doesn't equate to any money, I totally understand being third fiddle to this. I get it. I'm not angry, but I really want to get this guy Chad on the show to tell his story because he sells mortgages. So look at the criminal, okay? If it's some BS stuff, I'm not here to be completely moral with you and everything, but look, you know, you get some petty drug crimes. Who hasn't sparked up a joint, okay, in their youth, right? Who hasn't imbibed a little too much at a party, all right? Look at the criminal charge, all right? And look, I have two daughters, okay? So if I see a rape conviction, (laughs) you can forget about it, right? Sorry. No, I'm not even sorry. You're just done. Boom, gone. However, I had a guy come up to me one time looking for a private loan, and he was up front and forth where I told me, he said he had a rape conviction. I said, what? He goes, I was 19. She was 17. It was statutory. I did not loan to that individual, but not because of his criminal background, because I understand as a father of daughters, and I found out my 17-year-old's having sex with a 19-year-old, I'm probably going to go ape shit and prosecute. Okay? Now, the reason why I didn't loan to him was partly because of his criminal conviction and partly because of his credit. The guy has shitty credit, but the shitty credit gave me an out because of the statutory rape charge. I'm not saying you need to do that. I'm just telling you that's where my mind was with this. Okay. It wasn't a violent crime. Well, they were boyfriend and girlfriend for quite a long time. So I'm pretty sure it was consensual. And the old, her dad was, got angry. Believe me, I get it. Okay. But his deal didn't really make sense. He didn't have a good, history of showing that he was going to cut his own throat to pay me back before I lost. So I said, no, but I want to put it out there that a statutory rape charge was part of it. Okay. And this has got nothing to do with hashtag me too. This is only about me being a father of daughters and trying to raise productive, good women. I'm going down a bit of a rabbit hole. So let's go back to never trust, always verify. So if you get to the point where you're going to lend away from your backyard, you're going to lend 
across states, then by all means, go and get a background check. Okay. Now, I don't have any affiliates. I'm not going to tell you how I do my background checks because it changes from time to time. Google searches will let you know. Okay. But I would look for national background checks, not just on the state level. Okay. Go national. All right. And here's something else. I don't want to loan to a deadbeat dad, plain and simple. But by saying that, I realize that I have to evaluate things a lot closer and a lot more difficult. What I mean is you got to look at everything on a case-by-case basis, okay? That's my suggestion to you. At the end of the day, this podcast, my voice, my history, my experience cannot replace your gut instinct, okay? Because you are in your market. You are dealing with that person, that borrower, that investor. And all I can tell you is if your gut says, even if I, even if your gut just says, I don't know, that's a no. That's a no. Walk on, move away, be polite, be a lady, be a gentleman, say, you know what? I'm not comfortable with this. I wish you all the best and move on. Now, the next scenario that could come up from this is one that I'm relatively ignorant on, and that is investing overseas. There are organizations and businesses that are set up to help Americans invest overseas. Okay. I will save that for another episode. I myself have not invested overseas and it becomes very difficult if, let's just say, well, it doesn't matter what country they're from. It's very difficult to background check somebody in another country. So let's say if I'm going to go to Carmen de Playa or <laughs> Carmen del Playa. Playa del Carmen, someplace in Mexico, right? So Baja, Cabo, there are people who are set up to help Americans invest down there. And you can go to the Commercial Real Estate Guys podcast. I highly recommend you go listen to them if you're thinking about investing outside of the U.S., especially in kind of the touristy areas. Why would you invest anywhere else, right? But that's a little bit beyond the scope of this podcast and my experience. I really don't want to speak about it. But let's just say, for example, if somebody came to me and said, Man, I got a smoking hot deal, some Playa del Carmen, you got to look at it with a different set of lenses, I think, and go to places like commercial real estate guys. Listen to the podcast. I hate to send you away from this one, but it's the truth. You need to go listen. You got to go find it because I've yet to invest outside of the US. However, having said that, 2019 has been a very interesting year, and I'm hoping that in 2020, I will take some of my hard-earned greenbacks and put them across some water, put them overseas and invest. I've got a few people that I'm lining up that we're talking about doing some JVs, and while I'm not going to fund everything, I definitely want to put my toe in the water, and I want to invest outside of the United States, and that comes with a whole bunch of IRS crap and everything else, but as I get to it, I will report it to you here on this podcast. But I can tell you this. If, if anybody comes to you and says, hey, let's invest in this other Guatemala, Honduras, like I, and Nicaragua, the Oxford Club has offered investments down in Nicaragua after the cartels and everything have gone away. Investing internationally is a whole different thing. I'd love to dedicate that a whole week of shows to that. But I'm going to tell you this whether it be abroad, outside of your backyard, interstate, in the U.S., whatever. If anybody comes to you and says, hey, look, I'm looking to borrow some private money, 
be a hard ass. Okay. Don't be ashamed. Be a hard ass. It's your money. Okay. In my case, it's my retirement money, my wife's retirement money. So I'm going to be ultra conservative with it. All right. And I'm going to ask them to give me a portfolio of their properties and their experience. And when I say experience, I don't mean just real estate investing. I'm talking about everything. Did they go to college? Did they go to the college of hard knocks, the college of the street? Are they an entrepreneur? I can think about 20 Indian immigrants right now in the United States, in Houston, that have busted their ass and are making themselves. I would invest with them. Okay. And I'm actually, I'm trying to get, they do multifamily and it's all Indian money. And I'm so trying to get into it because they've had like six successful properties. And when I say successful, I mean uber successful. And I'm trying to get into that, but it doesn't matter. I have seen their portfolio. I've seen their experience and I've met every one of them and they pulled themselves up from their bootstraps. Okay. Which is damn hard to do. And you can say, oh, they're Indian. They had money to get here. Not all of them. Not all of them. Some of them borrowed money. They came to the United States on credit, overextended their visa. Trump build the wall and have made something of themselves and have produced and paid taxes. And I got a lot of time for those people. A lot of time. Because a few hundred years ago, their people were my people coming over from Germany, coming over from England. Yeah, I know. Yep. I got some limey in me. I'm admitting it. But they came over and they flipping hustled and they didn't take no for an answer. And that, my friend, is the American way. And full disclosure, I have, I've been drinking some Scottish exports. Let's just leave it at that. But I hope you find this useful. I hope this gives you some understanding on where you should be. Always listen to your gut. Okay. And if your gut says no and it turns out to be a great deal, Learn from it, okay? Don't wash it away. Learn from everything. And if today has taught me anything, it's expand yourself, okay? Let's say you're an engineer, you're an accountant, you're a dentist, you're a general surgeon, you're a tile layer. doesn't matter what you do for a living. If you're any one of those things, might I suggest you go pick up a book on how to write poetry? Yeah, I'm serious. Bird watching, pottery. Just expand your mind. Maybe it's a business book. Maybe it's a book on how to do Facebook ads or copywriting, because that's kind of what I'm looking at right now. But whatever. I mean, going today, seeing Cambridge University, Isaac freaking Newton, man. Stephen Hawking, brief history of time, black holes, right? The sad thing is I was in proximity to these buildings where these men studied and wrote, and it doesn't make me any smarter, okay? proximity is power when it comes to bettering yourself, but it's proximity to people, not just buildings and places, right? And by the way, I had a pretty crappy steak today. I ordered medium rare and it came out well done. First world problem. Hello. All right, guys, I've rambled on long enough. I really do appreciate you listening. I want to throw some shout outs right now to a few people. Mitch Steven, number one. Yeah, you can go back and check him out on, uh, I think it was episode six, but I'll let the post-production crew Correct me on that. So go back and look at the show notes. I want to throw a big shout out to uh, Ryan Sanders up in Alaska, Louisiana, Clint Galliano, Miss Michelle as well. I'm going to talk to you guys. I'm sorry I have not reached out to you, but I will as soon as I can. Big ups to Chris Funk. He's doing the MS 150. That's a big uh, bike ride from Houston to Austin to raise money for 
multiple sclerosis. Big ups to him for that. Bill, appreciate all your comments. Clint, love him as well. And to Ryan Sanders up uh, in Alaska, back in the field. Mad respect. I haven't been in the oil field in 11 years, and you went back, sir. And for that, I salute you because I know how tough it is. And especially, I can only imagine how tough it is to somebody our age. So with that, I want to leave you with positive vibes from London. I have headphones on. My hotel window is open and I can hear people partying downstairs or actually six floors because we're American, right? So floor five in London, you know, is actually the sixth floor in America because our ground floor is number one. So I'm going to have to go down there and just ingratiate myself and see if anybody has any uh, Scottish beverages or spirits for me. But I hope this ramble serves you well. I hope you take something from it. I hope you realize that if you're beginning, you should not loan to people you do not know. When I say you do not know, I'm talking about whales and coaches and mentors in your community. I'm talking about people with something to lose, with a reputation to lose, not just money. People will lose other people's money left and right. They don't give a shit, right? This is your cash. This is your retirement. I want you to hold on to it. So start with people who have a reputation to lose. And if you get beyond that, then by all means, do the credit check. And even as you're starting off, tell people up front, look, I want a background check on you. I want to know who I'm lending to. And if they have a problem with it, then you should probably walk away. And with that, I'm going to bid you adieu. I wish you happy prosperous and safe private lending and i'll catch you on the next episode take care thanks so much for listening to this episode of private lender podcast with your host keith baker for more great content and to stay up to date visit privatelenderpodcast.com if you enjoyed today's episode please rate and review and we'll catch you next time